ABC Listen. Oh, Molly, this has been such a busy week at work. Right? We've been recording so many great episodes and emphasising our little hearts out. I really need a big rest. Me too. I need a break. <gasps> we, we need, need a, a holiday! holiday. OK, where should we go? A beach in Greece. Oh, go see the Northern Lights in Iceland. Eat some banh mi in Vietnam. <gasps> a, a cruise! cruise. Yes, I love big ships. They're so mighty. And they often have water slides, buffets, karaoke nights. <gasps> Let's do it. Wait, Molly, we can't just hop on a cruise ship. You have to book tickets months in advance. We won't be able to go for ages. <sighs> well, what about if we imagine going on a cruise? We have active imaginations. It'll be like we're at sea. Yes, you are a genius, Molly. So what kind of cruise should we go on? We need a huge, amazing luxury cruise ship. Like the Titanic, one of the most splendid, extraordinary, beautiful ships ever. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard of the Titanic. So today, Short and Curly heads out to sea on the wonderful cruise ship, the Titanic. No ethical dilemmas. No tricky topics. No questions we can't answer. Nothing to think about at all, really. <sighs> Just fine food and music and ocean as far as the eye can see. Hey, uh, Molly, there's something familiar in my brain about the Titanic. Titanic, Titanic, oh, I wish I could remember. Got a bit of a bad feeling about this. Carl, it's an imaginary cruise. What could go wrong? Hello, and today you're listening to... Short, you're listening to Short and Curly. And Curly. Yay! Short and Curly! Curly, 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 Curly. Short and Curly! Isn't this nice? This is nice. It's so nice. It's super nice. And you look splendid in your flowy red velvet formal gown with matching gloves. And you're looking pretty spiffy in that white tux and bow tie combo, Carl. <laughs> Why, thank you, mademoiselle. <gasps> and there's the White Star Orchestra. What a delight. Let's dance. This ballroom is so fancy. Look at all the wooden panels and those statues. And look up at the domed roof. Not to mention all the fancy tables and waiters bustling around with drinks and food. Truly splendid. <laughs> hey, I, I just remembered where I heard about the Titanic. It was in this podcast called Great Disasters and the Terrible Stories Behind Them. Here, I'll play it to you on my phone. Hang on, you can't have a phone on the Titanic. It was like a hundred years ago. No one had phones. And also, podcasts did not exist. But this is an imaginary cruise, right? So times and dates and places are all just in our heads. That's an excellent point. You are so smart. Wait, why was the Titanic on a podcast called Great Disasters and the Terrible Stories Behind Them? That sounds very alarming. Well, let's listen to what David Dyer says about the whole thing. This was the first time where ships started to become fun to be on. Uh, before that, they were really awful. You would get seasick, uh, you would have really no baths or showers or anything like that. You'd be squeezed into cabins with lots of other people. Um, so the Titanic was an age of ships where it started to become fun to be on the ship. They had a gym. 
They had a swimming pool. They had an orchestra. They had lovely lounges. They had card rooms where you could play games, libraries. It was, in 1912, the largest, the newest, the most luxurious, just the best uh, ship in the whole world. So that's David Dyer, who's written lots about the Titanic, and he has his own personal webpage all about the ship. He's been obsessed with it since he was a child, and lucky we've got him here to help us fill in the blanks during our imaginary adventure. I'm imagining some lovely ballroom music from a long, long time ago. Let us dance! Ouch! Watch it, Carl. You've stepped on my foot. Can't you imagine you're a good dancer? No one's imagination is that powerful. Ooh, look, they're just serving the main course. Shall we take our seats? Yes, yum. I love grilled fish. Only the best on this cruise, huh, Carl? Hey, speaking of grilled fish, you know how I said I remembered something strange about the Titanic earlier? That's not speaking of grilled fish. I know, I'm bad at changing topics. Anyway, I have this strange feeling that maybe the Titanic's voyage wasn't all smooth sailing. Wait a second. The podcast was called Great Disasters and the Terrible Stories Behind Them. Did something tragic happen on the maiden voyage of the Titanic? It's sort of coming back to me now. I remember its maiden voyage might have been its only voyage? Look, no need to panic, it's probably nothing. Let's just keep enjoying our relaxing imaginary cruise. Whoa! What was that? Ah! What was that? Uh-oh. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, this is all coming back to me now. The Titanic. Oh, yep. Yeah, no, no. And David Dyer did say something about what happened to the Titanic. The sea was completely calm, very cold, no wind at all, no moon, which meant that it was very hard to see. It was a very dark night. And for that reason, they didn't see an iceberg. They'd been warned of icebergs, but they thought that they would see them. They ran into this iceberg, but in a way which was very um, unfortunate because it slid along the iceberg and that caused enormous damage, which meant she was going to sink. Um, but she sank slowly. She took almost three hours to sink. So that gave a lot of opportunity for lots of ethical and moral dilemmas. For the officers, for the captain, they would have realised at once that there weren't enough lifeboats for everybody. Uh, so the questions for them were, do we tell everybody? Are we honest with the passengers? How do we make sure there isn't a mass panic? For the passengers, who either sensed or were told that the ship was going to sink, they had to ask themselves questions like, do I get into a lifeboat when I know that other people won't get in? Do I step ahead of others? Do I step ahead of children if I'm an adult? Do I step ahead of women if I'm a man? So the Titanic didn't have enough lifeboats because they actually thought the ship was unsinkable. And suddenly, there were a lot of super tough questions everyone was facing, as you heard David mention. Like, who'll get saved, and who will freeze to death in the water? 
So if women were generally rescued before men... That means, Molly, you'll get saved and I get to freeze. Quite possibly. This is a terrible imaginary holiday. Well, hang on. We're meant to save women and children. No one is more childish than you, Carl. (gasps) That's true. Mentally, I'm definitely a child. Maybe I won't die. Carl, let's think this through a bit. In fact, let's ask our listeners to think this through with us. Good idea. This is the part of the show where you can pause to think about or discuss a curly ethical question. And this is our question for you right now. Do you think children should have been saved first on the Titanic? In fact, should children get saved first in any disaster? Yes or no, and why? Hit pause now. I reckon we should see what our brains trust think of this situation too. Yep. Okay. Back to work. We talked to a few kids from the nautical Baranda State School on the shores of the mighty, muddy Brisbane River and asked them... Do they think children should be saved before adults in a situation like the sinking of the Titanic? If one had to go first, I would say children because they've got more... um, time left in them than adults. If you're an adult, you've had adventures, you've had experiences, but children haven't, so maybe it would it would only be fair to let them have some adventures and some experiences, and maybe they'll grow up to do more than the adult. In some cases, kids might have more experiences than adults. So in, then in that case, does that mean then the adults who haven't had as many experiences are more important than the kids with, say, rich parents and have got their own car and they're five or something? It's like ranking people. Whoever has, like, more people in their life or a bigger family is more worthy and more responsible for things. Adults, yes, they have had time in the world. Kids haven't, but I kind of think that adults deserve a little bit more time. Because that's a little bit cold, you know, like everybody's like, children go first. You need to have some adults with them because children don't know what to do in a lifeboat. Um, I agree with that with the lifeboat, because if I got in a lifeboat, I'd die, like, within three days. I wouldn't know where to steer, because, like, wh- where are the oars? Wh- where are they sitting? Are they, like, under the deck of the midget lifeboat? Yes, yeah, so it is a bit cold to just say children go first. Icy cold. Iceberg cold. Good joke, Carl. Oh, hey, crew. Did I miss the trip? Aw, Matt, you dressed up for the Titanic adventure. You know two things about me. I love ethical dilemmas and I love old world charm. What a combo. So, what do you think about what happened on the Titanic, Matt? Was the captain doing the right thing by trying to save kids like Carl first? Well, I think the first thing to say is that the captain and the company who owned the Titanic did the wrong thing by letting it set out in the first place when it didn't have enough lifeboats. And that's a really important point to remember. That may be true, but the ship's already out and it's a sinking. So, who do we save first? Do we save the kids? 
There are a few arguments about why we might want to give kids a little bit of extra attention in emergencies. The first one is about fairness. Someone who's 10 hasn't had the same opportunities in life that someone who is like 50 has had. So even though one of them isn't more important than the other, being fair to the 10-year-old might mean giving them the same chance to live a full, rich life as the 50-year-old has had. Lots of people talk about the innocence of children, how they're really optimistic and haven't done anything bad in their lives. Is that another reason to save them first? Look, in an emergency, everybody deserves to be saved. It's not like some people should die, but what we're trying to work out is, what is the fairest system for working out who should get help when not everybody can? Usually, people think that you should make that decision based on reasons that are related to the situation, like how much help they need or how much danger they're in or something like that. Whether someone has done bad things in the past or is innocent and has only ever done good things doesn't really affect the situation one way or the other, so we might not want to use it to decide whether someone lives or dies. Wow, you have some dark thoughts, Matt Beard from the Titanic Ethics Centre. Wait a second, so the Titanic has an ethics centre but not enough space for life rafts? Seems like a design flaw. Okay, Molly, Titanic historian David Dyer said this incident was one of the first where women and children were saved before men. Huh, lucky us? But it was a little more complicated than just all kids and all women getting spots on lifeboats. Here's how he put it. It turned out, after the Titanic had sank and everybody knew who the survivors were, that that rule only applied really to the rich. Because lots of women and children were just simply left behind who were in third class. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. Probably the main reason was they were just forgotten. The third class areas of the ship were nowhere near the boat deck, so just nobody went and got them. And by the time they did realise something was seriously wrong, it was too late. When they all came up to the boat deck, the boats were gone. And so one of the statistics which I find really sad about the Titanic disaster is that more than 50 children died, 53, and they were all from third class. But at the same time, roughly the same number of first class men lived. So if you're a rich man, you did have a good opportunity of getting into the lifeboats. Uh, but if you were a poor child, you had very bad odds of getting into a lifeboat. Ouch, that's a bit of a sting in the tail. So children first ended up being rich children first. Those poor third class kids. Hey, Molly, this whole situation has got me thinking. And here's our next question. Imagine you're on the Titanic and everyone's running around on the deck trying to get onto life rafts. How do you decide who to let on and why? Hit pause now. This ship is really taking on water. And it's icy cold. Hey, look over there, next to that life raft. Those kids are lined up from youngest to oldest. Does that mean some kids are going to miss out? 
Wow, I wonder if even within kids, age still matters. I actually asked our group of young seafarers from Baranda State School about that question. We asked them to imagine that they were about to be saved on a lifeboat on the Titanic, but then a younger kid comes along. So we wondered whether that younger kid should be saved before them. I think I would. I think that I would feel responsible if I hadn't given up my spot for them and then they died because of it. Well, if I had to choose, this is really hard. But if I did have to choose, there's kind of like like what Banjo was saying, a certain age. Because when you're like a few weeks old, you can't really speak, you can't walk. You're very dependent on everyone else, except um, your parents love you, your family absolutely love you. And they'd be very sad if some kid that was you didn't give up their seat to save a baby. Like, I would feel guilty, but I would also not feel guilty a bit. If it was the annoying toddler that wet my pants with a water gun, I wouldn't be so... I wouldn't feel very bad about leaving them. But, like, if it was a child that looked so innocent and cute that I just had to, then I probably would, yeah. I'm not really sure, but how how um, heavy is this baby? Because it might be able to fit on the boat without me having to give up my spot. Um, well, it sort of depends, because if, say, you are Freya and Noya, they're our school leaders, then you sort of also, in a way, have a responsibility there, and the little kid doesn't really have responsibility in the world, so sort of, in a way, I wouldn't give up my spot to a little kid because... I would feel as if I had more responsibilities, and yes, I would feel guilty. I guess it's lucky the Titanic took so many hours to sink. It gives us time to make a podcast and get our affairs in order and say our goodbyes. Okay, well, let's pause for a moment and ask our final thinking question. And when I say final, I mean final. If you're a kid on board a sinking ship and say you're aged between 6 and 13, what if someone there is younger than you, like a three-year-old? Or a baby. Should they get a seat on the lifeboat ahead of you? Hit pause now. So cold. This water is icy. Oh, the ship's almost gone under, and bits of it are floating around everywhere. Like this door. Why don't we climb on it and use it as a raft? That's better than a lot of people just splashing around in the icy water. So freezing. Well, thankfully, we have a bit of company out here to distract us from the cold. This'll lift your spirits, Carl. Look around us. Look at all the survivors floating who made it off the Titanic. Oh, yeah. Over there's our courageous midshipman, Matt Beard, who actually looks like he's got a life vest on. Lucky Matt. And there's our brains trust from Miranda State School. Mina, Caitlin, Banjo, Rosie, Haley, and Rex. They're all floating on a big lifeboat. But where's our sound engineer, Mark Don? I can't see him anywhere. 
And what's that on top of the iceberg? It's our producer, Emma Gibbs. Oh, no, wait. She just got pushed off by our other producer, Kyla Slavin. Producers, man. They'll do anything to survive. This ill-fated podcast is made by ABC Audio Studios. Thanks to executive producer Justine Kelly and manager of the studios, Kelly Reardon. I, can, I can't feel my arms or legs anymore. We're not going to make it, Molly. This is the end. Carl, this is an imaginary trip. You're in a studio on a warm day in Sydney. And we've basically finished the show, so we can just get out of here whenever we want. It's too late for that, Molly. Wait, he really is frozen. Carl! Carl! ABC Listen. Hey, and just a reminder, the reason we're resharing this episode is because we want you to send us a video as part of our Brains Trust call-out. That's right. You can record yourself answering the main question from today's show, which is... Is a child's life more valuable than an adult's? Now all you have to do is search up the Short and Curly website, scroll down the homepage, and click on the link to be part of the Short and Curly Brains Trust. You'll find more information about what to do and who you need permission from. Spoiler alert, it's your parents or guardians. Happy recording, Curly Crew.